This is a reminder you're listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show live and participate in the quiz and the prizes and all the other fun things that happen on Faith FM Breakfast Show, then simply download the Faith FM app available on Apple or Android platforms. Welcome back, guys. This is Encounter with God. You're listening to The Breakfast Show with Darren and Lyle this morning. Our quiz for the day. Just need to remind you all that our prize for the quiz is the book A Pale Horse Rides by Sean Boonstra about a group of obscure barbarians who receive the gospel, receive uh, Christianity just by reading the Bible and do incredible things. An untold story. Uh, that Sean Boonstra has uncovered and tells in his book, A Pale Horse Rides. Worth phoning in for. Definitely worth phoning in for. Okay, let's see if you can get this one. What book am I? I've called on the people at Armadale because we just did Prophetica up there to call in this morning. So see if you can get in ahead of them. Um, <clears throat> okay, so what book am I? One of the longer epistles in the New Testament. I have 13 chapters. Ah, that should be an awesome clue. That should be an awesome clue. If you're driving... This is one of my favourite books, by the way. Stop and pull over. Oh, this is this is an awesome <laughs> book. This is like, it's the best. It's the best. Okay, so where are we up to? We are in the Bible. We are studying through the book of Daniel. We are up to Daniel chapter 8. We did Daniel chapter 7 last week. We are now into the prophetic chapters of Daniel. So we have... Uh, yeah, it's kind of... It is... It is it is all happening now. We're getting heavier now. We've done the stories, and now we're into... Yeah, it's getting heavier <laughs> as we go through. So the first half of Daniel was kind of, uh, you know, wheat bix for breakfast. Now we are having <laughs> yeah, well, beans. Uh, beans. Beans. <laughs> eggs. Hot beans. Hot beans on with toast. Chili. With, with chili. With chili. <laughs> beans with chili now. Okay, so here it comes. Uh, Daniel chapter 8. Ah, Darren, would you mind reading for us Daniel chapter 8 and verse 1? Yes, Daniel chapter 8, verse 1, it says, In the third year of the reign of King Belshazzar, a vision appeared to me, to me, Daniel, after the one that appeared to me the first time. I saw in the vision, and it so happened while I was looking, that I was in Shushan, the citadel, which is the province of Elam, and I saw in the vision that I was by the river Yulau. Okay, let's stop there. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Not in there. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We, 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 <laughs> we got to give context. We got to, we got to, we got to look at some historical background. Have you, have you been to Iran? No. no. Oh, I've been to Iran. I've been I to the river. I haven't felt safe enough to go on the Bible lands tour yet. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, we wait for the coronavirus to ease off a bit. There's a, there was a bunch of uh, Koreans that just went through um, the Holy Lands on a pilgrimage. And uh, have tested positive to coronavirus. Oh, no. So, so now Israel and Jordan are all panicking because they're thinking, well, they went to this site and this site and this site. And you go to those sites and they are jam-packed with people. This is like a major tourist destination. And you're saying that um, more or less just breathing this stuff and spread it. Well, yeah, look out. Yes. Anyway, some years ago before coronavirus, I had the privilege of going to Iran on a research tour. And so I've been to the River Yulai and I've stood beside the banks of it, I don't know whereabouts it was, but you could have uh, it stood was, in the spot where Daniel was in vision. Well, it was in Shushan, and I was in Shushan when I was standing beside the river. They so call you it, saw what probably he saw. They call it shush. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's possible, probably a little bit different than what it was, but in some ways, and in other ways, not that much different. Yep, yep. It's like 
water flowing past. <laughs> anyway, what's interesting about this passage is in verse 1 it says it's the third year of Belshazzar's reign. We know about Belshazzar. We do. Belshazzar was a co-regent with his father, mm. Nabonidus. Nabonidus was, and we've mentioned this before, he was a Syrian. He was a bit unpopular. Um, he was married to Nebuchadnezzar's daughter, which is why he got to reign. But they, he was never particularly popular. And one of the things that made him the most unpopular was that he didn't really have any interest in worshipping Bel and Marduk, which were the Babylonian gods. Yep. He the other ones they sacrificed children to. Marduk, I think it was. Yeah, something yep. may have been. But he worshipped the moon god Sin, which was an Assyrian god. And so he found a place where there was a centre of this kind of worship and he went out in the desert uh, to worship this particular god. And he became a mystic. Basically, Nabonidus was a mystic and an archaeologist. Ah, right. Um, he did combination. <laughs> it was Yeah, because he would do archaeology and he would discover all of these old gods and he would set them up in a museum. And the fascinating thing was that when he was doing this, the world was incredibly old. Yep, yep. You know, he's, he's digging things up in his archaeological expeditions that are 2,000 years old. And, and this is two and a half thousand years ago. Mm, mm, wow. Yeah. So this is, this is Nabonidus. So he's not interested in reigning. And so he places his son, who is Nebuchadnezzar's blood, yep. in charge as a co-regent. And that co-regency goes through a number of different stages. The last three years of Belshazzar's reign, he was basically exclusive ruler. Ah, oh, so this is in the third year. So it's possible that this is just three years. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, it's possible this is the third year of his reign that this takes place just before the Persian invasion. Oh, right. Yeah, it's, it's, it's possible. Depending on know when, that context. Depending on when you date the beginning of his reign from. It could be 10 years in the future or it could be happening this year. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Daniel has this vision. He has this dream. What fascinates me about this dream is it talks about the Persian invasion. And if you were alive at that particular time, that wouldn't be a bad guess. You know, they, this is a this is a superpower that is coming to power. You know, it's kind of been like the U.S. and the Russia. You know, the Cold War between the Medes and the Babylonians has been existing all the way through. You know, Nebuchadnezzar's yep. reign, and now the Persians have come along. They are starting to dominate the Medes. They've formed this coalition, and they've just taken Lydia, yep. which is the one of the other big nations at that time. And so they're now bigger and more powerful than the Babylonians, and the Babylonians are the next ones in their sight. And this is this is you know this is coming to a time period where if you were going to guess the future, you could easily guess the Persians are going to be victorious because they're on they're on the fringes, they're moving in. So that's not what interests me about this prophecy. This prophecy doesn't just name the Persians; it goes on to name the Greeks, which are down a bit further. Okay, so the Greeks are in Europe. Yeah. And nothing is happening in Europe. There's no Alexander yet. There's no Alexander, and the Greeks are what we in modern history call city-states. Yep, yep. They are the equivalent of tribes. They're tribes, basically. They're tribes with cities. Yep. That's, that's all they are. So that we, we, no one predicts that yet. And mm-hmm. they are warlike, and they love to fight, and they love to go to war, but the only people that ever fight is each other. They're, they're not. Yep. They're not mounting invasions around the so world. So no one's worrying about them. Yeah, let them kill each other. <laughs> Nothing's happening in Europe. Yeah, the Greeks get named, 
yep. then the Romans get described. And, of course, the Romans is like they don't even, you know, Romulus and Remus, they have like, they've only just been born. Yep. Um, but anyway, that's all coming up in the prophecy. Let's dig into it. Um, <clears throat> so in interesting context, first, though, then yes. it says, um, Then I lifted up my eyes and saw, and there standing beside the river was a ram, which had two horns, and and the two horns were high, but one was higher than the other, and the higher one came up last. I saw the ram pushing westward, northward, and southward, so there's no animal could withstand him, nor was there any that could deliver from his hand. But he did according to his will and became great. Okay, so in Daniel chapter 7 and verse 17, the Bible says these great, king, these great beasts, which are four, are four kingdoms, which shall arise out of the earth. So we know that a beast, an animal in Bible prophecy, symbolizes a kingdom. kingdom. Yep. Here we have the symbol of a ram. It has two horns, and we need to find out who it is. Now, the great thing about Daniel chapter 8 is that when Gabriel explains the prophecy, because the angel Gabriel comes and explains the prophecy, when he explains the prophecy, what he does is he actually names who they are. And so we can move between the prophecy and the explanation and backwards and forwards. We can so see exactly an angel. What more reliable source do you want than an angel coming and saying, well, here's what it means, Daniel. I'm going to tell you straight. Most prophecies sometimes you've got to sort of work it out. You've got to do some digging. This yeah. one, you don't. God's like, okay, I'm going, to, I'm going to give you a whole bunch of prophecies where I want you to do some digging and I'm going to give you somewhere. I'm just going to make it easy for you. Yeah. But it also gives you reference points. This gives you reference points for other prophecies. It does. Because you know this is true, then you can extend the others around it. Because so. of the principle of repeat and enlarge where the Bible repeats itself and enlarges each time. Which is what Daniel 7 did and now Daniel 8's doing. So, interesting. Okay, so, um, Darren, why don't you jump over for us to the explanation of the ram. You'll find that in verse 20. We're going to read about the explanation of the ram. We're going to talk about this in, in just a moment. And we're going to find out about these two horns. Why is one higher than the other? Why does the higher one come up last? You're listening to Faith FM. Positively different radio. So I'm going to verse 20. This is says Gabriel's talking. So this is an angel talking here, not just anyone. This is the angel Gabriel um, giving the interpretation. So verse 20 says, The ram which you saw having the two horns, they are the kings of Media and Persia. Okay, so the ram with two horns is the kingdoms of Media and Persia. King, king, king kingdoms are synonymous in Bible prophecy. They both mean the same thing. And the Bible says that there are two of them. This is a coalition government. This is exactly what has taken place. Um, Cyrus the Persian yep. has conquered um, Astyages, the Mede, uh, and has is now in control of the Median Empire as a Persian. But rather than wiping out the Persian court, sorry, the Median court, and establishing his own empire, because Persia was really just a small province, where Cyrus has come from. Uh, he's the son of a provincial ruler. Rather than wiping out the Median court and establishing his own uh, dominance, he incorporates it into his own and forms a coalition. That's why you have these horns that one's longer than the other. That's right. And the, and bear the higher one comes seven. up last. Yep. Yeah, and the lopsided bear. Yep. Uh, it's a lopsided empire. And so it starts off with the Median empire, which is a rival to the Babylonian Empire. 
Then you have the Persian province of the Median Empire, which is small, the horn that is shorter, mm-hmm. which comes along, rises to power, so that later and then on, becomes yeah. more powerful than the Median Empire. So today we know it as the Persian Empire. Yep. You, yep. you talk about you talk about the Assyrian Empire, the Persian Empire. You talk about the Babylonian Empire. You talk about the Greek Empire. You talk about all of these empires. We don't call. We don't really speak about the Median Empire. No, you, I, you're right. You don't hear people saying, no, it's Persia. Everybody yeah. talks about Persia. Yeah. <laughs> Persia dominated to the point where it's almost, uh, media has become almost unknown today. <clears throat> okay, so the Bible says uh, there'll be two horns. The Bible also gives the geography. Verse it's 4. Interesting. It tells, yeah, pushing out, it says very clearly, it's pushing out, um, where are we? Um, verse, four. Yeah, verse 4. Verse 4, it says pushing north, westward, northward, and southward doesn't say eastward. Yeah, and I, I I think one of the reasons might be that you know Cyrus kind of lost his life going east. Mm, mm. Another one of the reasons may be that there was you know even while he did lose his life in that endeavor, there was very little conquering, actual conquering that went on in the east. Okay. Basically, what happened was uh, he offered the east what was called the Persian deal. We've been talking about that for a while. Yeah. And the east was like, yep, yeah, we like it, we accept it. And there were a few, you know, cities and city states and so forth that opposed it, and the people just sort of went to their king, cut his head off, threw it out over the wall, and like, yeah, okay, we uh, we're quite happy to come under the Persian deal. We like uh, your laws, your constitution is better than ours, and uh, we've got a bit of a tyrant here, so uh, thank you. Mm. But mm. the Persians did have the, have the Scythians to the north. And the okay. Scythians were always a threat, and the Scythians were always a problem. And these were mounted raiders who could retreat forever. Oh, right. So, so they're of, unconquerable. Sort of like guerrilla warfare almost. They were unconquerable. You could, you could, you know, they would come down and they would raid and they would take cities and they would, you know, do terrible things. And so the Persians would go after them. And they'd just retreat forever. And, they, and they'd, they'd write to the Persian king, how long are you going to follow us for? Because mm, we keep mm. going forever. Interesting. Once, you, once your supply lines have run out, we'll just turn around and we're going to cut you to shreds. But, um, you know, which, it's, it's like Russia, you know. You can, ha, you can just keep retreating forever. Yeah. Stretch, yeah. stretch out the Persian supply lines. And you don't even actually have to turn around and conquer the Persians because sooner or later their supply lines are going to be so long. They have to retreat. <laughs> they're, they're exhausted. They have to go back. And then, uh, and then of course, the Scythians would come back down. Of course, they... they uh, <clears throat> they went to the west, which was where the Lydians were. They went to the yep. south, which was where the Babylonians were and the Egyptians were. And so these were the big battles that they had to fight. These were the the uh, the issues that they had to face. Okay. There was nothing that could stand before him. The Bible says, and in the end of verse 4 in my translation, he says, he did according to his will and he became great. Mm, mm, great. Uh, yeah. The Achaemenid dynasty of the Persian Empire was one of the greatest and most wealthy. You know, in our first clue, we talked about <clears throat> one of these kings, Ahasuerus or Xerxes, as he is very variously known, who displays his wealth for 180 days, and it was wealth on a phenomenal level, just an absolutely unimaginable level. You have uh, the first two kings of the Persian Empire carry the title great. Okay. So you have Cyrus the Great, who is followed by Darius the Great. That's why you get Alexander the Great later on. There are very few kings who actually carry that title of being the Great. 
And you have to be very, very significant to, hist- to history for history to turn around and, and, and bestow that title upon you. Yeah. Cyrus the Great was the great statesman, politician, and conqueror. Darius the Great was the world's greatest ever CEO. Okay. And he was in charge of the empire. He was a manager. Yeah. Uh, And he he wasn't a conqueror, but he was a manager. And the wealth that he brought into the Persian Empire was unimaginable. Anyway, we need to continue on and let's go to... Yeah, because there's another animal coming down here. Oh, yeah. Uh, It gets better. Verse 5. And verse 5. And as I was considering, suddenly a male goat came from the west across the surface of the whole earth without touching the ground, and the goat had a notable horn between his eyes. Then he came to the ram that had two horns, which I had seen him standing beside the river, and ran at him with furious power. And I saw him confronting the ram. He was moved with rage against him, attacked the ram, and broke his two horns. There was no power in the ram to withstand him. But he cast him down to the ground and trampled him, and there was no one that could deliver the ram from his hand. Therefore the male goat grew very great, but when he became strong the large horn was broken, and in its place of it four notable ones came up toward the four winds of heaven. All right. Interesting uh, description here we have of a goat. I've kept goats. And You've had goats? I was reared on goat's milk. so <laughs> I was reared on goat's milk, and we kept goats as well. Ah, well, we've got a lot of things in We have common. a lot of things in common. That's yeah. amazing. And, a, and a billy goat, a male goat, they, they are, are mean. Uh-huh. They smell. Yes. <laughs> There's nothing like it. And um, they're hard to control at the best of times. Okay, so they we had, had their own will. <laughs> we, had, we had a billy goat, and he, he lived in his own pen. Yeah. And it had six foot high fences all around it. And it'll still get out. <laughs> and he would still climb those fences uh, because there's nothing that a goat can't climb. Now, we had an iron bar. Oh, now, yeah. this was we a, had one of those too. We actually had a rake, a metal rake. <laughs> we had a solid iron bar. It was about, uh, say, a foot, say, 300 millimetres long thereabouts. It was about, I'm thinking, 30 millimetres thick, and it was solid. Yep. So what you do is you open the gate, you pick up the iron bar, you walk in, you walk up to the billy goat, you take this iron bar and you crack him as hard as you can across the base of the horns and he staggers back a little bit (laughs) and looks at you and you have now proclaimed dominance. It was the only way you could work inside his paddock. Change his water, give him food, whatever I had to do. Yeah, well, <laughs> he had his own creek. But you, didn't, you never turned your grass, back on them. So you no, never turned your back on them. My dad, my dad made the mistake of turning his back one time, and he did have, a, he did have his own creek that ran through his, his pen, and he's picked my dad up and thrown him in the creek. Mm, mm. Needless to say, the day did not end well for the billy goat. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh, but I can imagine it. Yes, yes. It was. Um, it was. But they're um, mean beasts. They are mean. Oh, beasts. they are mean and ornery and nasty. And here you've got an ornery goat. Yeah. 
And, and and not only is he an ornery goat, he's fast. And he's got this big horn as well. Not just um the two horns; he's got another horn. Well, so, see, this is the thing. This is the thing. When you when you think about a, a a goat, the one advantage I found with the billy goat was their horns tend to be have that backward sweep to them. You can grab them. You can grab them, and hopefully you grab them and twist them yeah. and uh, control the head, the and you can put him down on the ground. Uh, then go and shower afterwards. And that's right. <laughs> oh yes. Oh yes. But I was just sort of thinking. One that has one horn between its eyes is going to be pointy and pointing forwards. In other words, there's it's nothing be- that can withstand this guy because they're powerful, they're strong, and it's, it's pointing. It's, it's, it's dangerous. I wonder whether this is where the concept of unicorn came from. Ah. I don't know. Maybe it used to be a goat before it was a horse. Who knows? We're going to listen to the Forbes family. Jesus is mine Oh
Welcome back, guys. That was the Forbes family with Blessed Assurance. You're listening to The Breakfast Show, where you are with uh, Darren Pratt and Lyle Southwell. He's discussing goats. We were talking about goats. We are also talking about board games, and uh, somebody's texted through with uh, their favourite board yeah, games. Yeah, I've got a message in from someone that I know out at Gunnadar. Shout out to the Foster family out there. The drought's broken. They sent me a photo last week of the green grass. It was red dirt at the last, but the grass is knee-high now in the paddock. So they've had some rain. Um, but they um listening, and they said last night's leftovers, um, packing up this morning, it's a game of Monopoly. Not just any Monopoly, Tractor Monopoly. Um, grandma sent them a game from the States and um, it's all about tractors so good for a farming family um, and their next favourite game is Squatter Squatter there so you go. well done guys if you haven't heard of Squatter it's still around I'm not sure if it's actually available in um, in our major game store but you'll find it in eBay some of the more specialised stores yeah eBay or secondhand shops but yeah also I'm going to put my um Soapbox I did on gaming up on Faith FM this morning, and make sure on you Faith FM Facebook page text us or um, on Facebook page. Yeah, um, make sure you text us or comment there about what your favourite game is. Yeah, let us know. Uh, text us on zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Let us know what your favourite board game is. We would like to know. Uh, we are pro- promoting board games in favour of computer games here on Faith FM. We're going to have another clue for our quiz. Terms such as, this is what book am I? Um, this is for the Sean Boonstra book on the pale horse. Terms such as covenant, priest, and sacrifice are often found in this book. Oh, yeah. Which book of the New Testament talks a lot about the covenant, a lot about the priesthood, a lot about sacrifice? If you know the answer, give us a call right now. Here are the numbers. 1-800-FAITH-FM. That is 1-800-324-843. Or text us on 0491-064-669. And there will be a copy of The Pale Horse Rides coming your way. Uh, The first one was a bit of an obscure quiz and it got snapped up on the first clue. Uh, It's a very easy one. Did this one? Yeah. Yeah, but don't Please miss that up. book. If you know the answer, phone us now and grab that book because um, it's it's a great read. It is indeed. Now, we were talking about goats because we were in Chapter 8 and both Darren and I had goats when we were kids and both Darren and I grew up on goat's milk. Do you still drink goat's milk? I love goat's milk, but you, really? it's got to be fresh. So if one's in the store, don't taste like fresh goat's milk. I love fresh goat's cheese. Goat's cheese is nice. Yeah, mum used to put dandelion in it and calendula and um, uh, chives and things. And, and yeah, she'll, she'll divide the curds by putting lemon juice in it. And um, it was a lovely cheese. I grew up on goat's milk, and I have to tell you, I loathe goat's milk. <laughs> really? I can't stand the stuff. <laughs> no, I'm definitely a... Uh, I'd like to bring you in a really good goat's cheese one soy, day, soy, soy milk man all the way. <laughs> Yeah, but anyway, no, we're growing on goat's milk because, um, I don't know, they'll say it was better for you. Um, Valergy-wise, that's apparently very good. Yeah, well, I was allergic to cow's milk, so that's why I had goat's milk. Okay. Yep. My, my mother and I were both allergic to cow's milk, so... But talking about board games and traditions and family and values, um, having to go out and milk a goat teaches you a whole lot of things about life as well. It does. <laughs> and you might be interested, for those who only know how to milk a cow, milking a goat is a very, very different... Yeah. It's a very different procedure. And very frustrating at times. And very frustrating. Because <laughs> oh, goats are goats. And, and a male goat is even more frustrating. You don't milk a male goat, of course, but you just make sure you stay your distance most That's of the right. time. That's right. Just put him in his paddock and let him do his own thing. 
Anyway, where are we up to? We are... No, this goat. We're talking about this goat. That's, um, oh, yes. It's a fast goat. Now, goats can move, but it takes on a ram. Now, that's going to be an interesting battle because rams are pretty obstinate and powerful too. And stubborn and thick and strong and they have... And well protected. Yeah, and a pretty strong head. I yep. mean, oh. it'll be an interesting battle to watch a goat and a ram going on. But this is a- We should look that up on YouTube sometime. I'm sure somebody has <laughs> recorded this somewhere. I've, Goat got, I've, I've put up one last week on my Facebook where um, this shepherd's letting his sheep down the down the road, and suddenly this huge ram comes at him and pushes him over, <laughs> and bowls him, and he falls over, and all the sheep go running off, and the dogs there looking at him, laughing at him basically, <laughs> and then the ram comes back, he gets up and stumbles, and then ram comes back and takes him out again. <laughs> it's quite funny, but probably quite painful too. <laughs> Other people's pain is always so much fun, yeah. um, <laughs> particularly when it involves being bowled over by a sheep. But the thing about this um, this goat is it's it's fast. Oh, he's flying. It's, he's it's, absolutely flying. It doesn't touch the ground. Now, that is a fast yeah, goat. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's read about him real quick, verse 21, the explanation that Oh, Gabriel, Gabriel that's right. We don't have to guess this because Gabriel, again, tells us exactly what's going on here. And the male goat is the kingdom of Greece. The large horn between its eyes is the first king as for the broken horn and the four that stood up in its place four kingdoms shall arise out of that nation but not with its power okay so there we have this uh this large horn is the first king of greece and you know a goat that is absolutely flying and is going to absolutely smash the persian empire this is very clearly greece alexander the great yeah you know the kid is uh what he's 22 years old when he crosses from europe to asia and and he's, I think he's only about thirty something when he rests and retires. He's, that's right. He's thirty by the time he, he finishes up. He's thirty three by the time he dies. Yeah. But you know, I've got a kid who is uh, what twenty three, I think. And imagine know, so him not, not much older. <laughs> imagine imagine him taking on the, the United and- States military. <laughs> yeah. And this is what Alexander's done. You know, Greece is Comes a out of minor nation that has never been united before. He's pulled these tribes together. He's Macedonian himself, of course, and he has led his army uh, across into, you know, if, if you're Alexander, you sort of look around and it's like, well, I want to do some conquering. Where will I go and conquer? And, you know. You don't go to a small country. Don't, don't. Yeah. <laughs> you don't take on something like um, the Balkans <laughs> or Italy or something like that, which was kind of nothing back then. Yeah. It's like there is only one thing that he has in mind, and that is Persia. So he charges straight for it. He charges straight for it. And it's interesting you know, because he's tremendously outnumbered by the Persians. He has a very skilled and well-trained and very small Greek Macedonian force that he's taking with him. Um, and his tactic really comes down to... Um, surprise. Surprise with- and also fighting the enemy's morale. Oh, right. He attacks yeah. their morale. And what he does, the way he does that is by charging straight at the leadership. Oh, right. No, don't, don't go around the skirt. Just go straight through straight the Straight for the leadership. Cut the head off the snake. The snake dies. Now, he doesn't manage to cut the head off the snake because um, the head of the snake runs. Yep. yep. And when the head of the snake runs, the Persians run. And this happens three times. And it completely, that's, that's, it's all over for the Persian Empire. He learns it in the first battle that this is how he's going to win this battle, and then he continues to repeat it. And this is very typical of Alexander. You know, he was the kind of guy who definitely led from the front. He, the guy was full psycho. 
Oh, I, yeah, there was There's something no not right about, about him. There was something very not right about this guy, um, <clears throat> and we need to recognise that. But he was an insane genius. Well, some say he died from basically alcohol poisoning, more or less, yep. was, was what took him out in the end. Yep. He's yep. a famous, powerful... Um, now he's doing something with a guy, and then he dies of alcohol poisoning. He can't even control himself. Yeah. He can control the world, but he can't control himself, so he's really powerless, and he's dead yeah. at the age of 33. It's all over. But what it tells me, we go through this, and Gabriel's given the interpretation, it tells me that um, exactly on time, as in Daniel 2 predicted and Daniel 7 talks about, um, God is in control, and these things happen, and God is up there directing in some ways. Like He knows what's happening, and he's, he controls all this. Yep, indeed it is. Okay, so when we look around our world today and we see the craziness going on in our world right now, in the political sphere, we know that ultimately, while it might look crazy, God is the one who is in control. This is a Vocal Union singing about the mighty power of God. I sing the mighty power of God That makes the mountains rise that spread the flowing seas abroad and built the lofty skies. I sing the wisdom that ordained the sun to rule the day. The moon shines full at his command and all the stars obey. I sing the goodness of the Lord that filled the earth with food. He formed the creatures with his word and then pronounced them good. Lord, how thy wonders are displayed where'er I turn my eye. If I survey the ground I tread, or gaze upon the sky, There's not a plant or flower below, but makes thy glories known. And clouds arise and tempests blow, by order from thy throne. While all that borrows life from thee is ever in thy care. And everywhere that man can be, thou God art present there. Adventist Church in Newcastle, we have a food pantry service for the community. Everyone is welcome to join us for a free dinner. Enjoy good company and have a great time. All you need is $10 to buy a numbered ticket and you can collect a trolley's load of food ranging from fruits, veggies, tin food, pasta bread and toiletries. Every Thursday, the food pantry starts at 4.45pm with a 5pm start for dinner. Find us at Hamilton Adventist Church at 105 Lindsay Street, Hamilton every Thursday evening. All will be welcomed with love and a smile. We really hope to see you there. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. 
Hi, I'm Peter Beamish, a Senior Education Lecturer at Avondale University College. Teaching is the best career because I get to work with young people to make a real difference in their lives. At Avondale University College, we prepare you to help students with learning and wellbeing. And last year, 86% of Avondale teaching graduates were employed within four months of graduating. So join me in making a difference. We can change the world one classroom at a time. Called to be a teacher? Called to be at Avondale. Unclasp 
You're listening to Anna Beaton with Genuine Love. This is The Breakfast Show. We have come to Question of the Day time. Before we get to Question of the Day, we have a clue for our quiz. This is What Book Am I? This has turned out to be a little bit more challenging than we may have thought it may have been. However, I'll give this clue. The uh, prize for today is A Pale Horse by Sean Boonstra. My 11th chapter is often referred to as the Faith Hall of Fame. I love that chapter and the one that comes after it, chapter 12. Yes. Which is the therefore chapter, what we can do about it. (laughs) Faith chapter followed by the therefore chapter. Okay. Uh, what have we got for question of the day there, Darren? Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, uh, by the way, the, the phone numbers are 1-800-FAITH-FM. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay, question of the day. Question of the day. Someone's phoned in and asked us, who is Raphael, the health bringer archangel, Lyle? Okay, Raphael, the health bringer archangel, is not found anywhere in the Bible. Really? Nowhere in Scripture. We've just been talking about Gabriel, the archangel, interpreting the vision. Ah, and this is this is what's interesting. Gabriel is also not mentioned as being an archangel. Gabriel is named in the Bible. Yep, but there's nowhere ah. in the Bible. There is nowhere in the Bible that says Gabriel is an archangel. We think about it. You're right. We've just put him there. Yeah. Ah. So there are certain things that come into Christianity, uh, along with like people like Raphael or Uriel or Joel, which are Wait, supposed Michael. to be. Was Michael Michael is. Definitely mentioned in the Bible, and Michael is the only person in the Bible who's mentioned as an archangel. And I'm going to come to that in just a moment and explain why you can only have... It's only possible to have one archangel. Tell us why. (laughs) Hold that thought for a moment. If you want to find Raphael and information about Raphael, you cannot find it in the Bible. The only uh, religious texts that or sacred books that mention Raphael is the Book of Mormon. The yep. book of Tobit, the that's Quran, the that's yep. right, the Quran, and the book of Enoch. Again, an apocrypha book. Yep. Yeah, so none of these are in the Bible, um, and rightfully so. They shouldn't be in the Bible. Um, and so, yeah, really what you're dealing with is a tradition that is basically just, it's based on mythology. It's not based on any scripture. Okay, interesting. Now, now here's why it's impossible for, Raph- for either Raphael or Gabriel to be an archangel. Think about the prefix. So the word angel is one that we're all familiar with. That means messenger. Yep. The prefix to that is arc. Ah. Okay, so you have an arc enemy. We sometimes see that kind of language used in literature. Arch rival. Yep. Your arc enemy or your arc rival is your greatest enemy or your greatest rival, right? Yep. Um, can you have plur- plurality? I can't tongue- put my tongue around that. Can you have more than one greatest? I guess you can, but um, mm. normally there's only one that's the best. So it, it, ultimately, you're going to get to one. Ultimately, you're going to get to greatest. So you can have a number of great, but you can only have one, one greatest. Yep, you're right. You're right. Which is why in the Bible there is only one archangel, and that is Michael, because you can only have one greatest. Yep. And so, so who is this guy? Who's <clears throat> Raphael? Okay, so Raphael is uh, an invention. Uh, a Jewish invention, by the way, which is interesting, yep. where the Jews have invented him as a somebody who is, you know, he, he's a healer. Yep. And he's somebody who looks after pilgrims. And so then he sort of transferred from Jewish mythology across into um, Christian mythology. Yep. 
and the Roman and Catholic patron, Church. Patron saint, I guess. Yeah, the Roman Catholic Church, the Orthodox Church, and the Anglican Church okay. picked up Raphael, and they made him an archangel, and they made him a saint. Um, he was picked up by the Mormon Church, and, of course, because this all predated the rise of Islam, Islam picked up this guy as well. And none of it has any foundation basis whatsoever at all in Scripture. What about John 5, where um, the angel goes and stirs up the, the pool and um, the healing occurs? A tradition that healing occurs yes. when the pool gets stirred. Pool of Siloam. If you Isn't can get that in, Raphael if you can, there? If you can get into the water while the water is being stirred up, then you can be healed and people would sit by the pool. And it only ever applied to the first person in. Yep. Okay. There is a lot of tradition associated that says that that was Raphael who would come down and do that. That's not found anywhere in the Bible. I guess he's not named. No, there's no name for the angel that is there. There is. There are very few angels that are named. We have Michael and we have Gabriel who are named. We can talk about Michael maybe one other question time. And, of course, you've got uh, Raph, uh, Raphael and the others who are not named. Uh, most angels just don't have names in the Bible. Yeah. Mm, mm, interesting. So that's the that's the history behind Raphael, the not archangel. What have we got here? We have Jason Cook with Holy Holy Creator of Time. You're listening to the Breakfast Show.
You're listening to Jason Cook with Holy, Holy, Holy Creator of Time here on The Breakfast Show. We've come to the end of the show. We're about to give something away. Darren, what yes. are we giving away today? Oh, I think it's been a great day. Let's just give away a whole Bible. Why not? The whole lot. Yep, the whole lot. Or um, thousand-odd pages of it. That's it. That's it. So you can listen to Daniel while you're driving or whatever. Okay, so this one's, not, this one's not got pages. Pardon? This one's not got pages, right? No, this is um actually an MP3 version of the Bible. So zeros and ones. Yep. Yep. Cool. So the whole Bible in zeros and ones. That's <laughs> well, it's yeah. digital. It's digital. So therefore, it's You're zeros right and today. ones. Um, but yeah, the King James version, um, narrated by Ooh. Stephen Johnston, MP3. Um, go on your devices. And you can just do it anywhere you like. Okay, so this is you know what's you know what's cool about the KJV if you get the audio version. What's it's poetic. Let me let me, let me, let me this is a piece of uh, King James version trivia. The King James, your modern translations are written and translated to be read. Yeah. The King James wasn't translated to be read, it was translated to be heard. Oh, right. Yeah. Because when the King James was translated, the only places that could afford a Bible was a church and the only place that you could go where there was a Bible was a church and so you would hear the Bible. That's why it's written in such a poetic form. That's why it is so poetic, and that's why it has that unique power when you hear it. Yeah. Because it's actually written to be heard. And here we have an audio version, and so you get to hear it. Take it anywhere you'd like and listen to... Even if you get to some part of Australia that is outside of the range of the Faith FM radio app. Yep. You can just turn on your Turn MP3. on the Bible. Turn on the Bible and away you go. Anyway, we have enjoyed you, your company enormously here on The Breakfast Show this morning. We always encourage people to study the Bible where they are. Remember to talk faith, live faith, and act faith, and you'll grow strong in Jesus. Have a great day.
everyone, I'm Kylie Fletcher. Keep on listening to Faith FM. We will keep the commandments of God.